Go ahead and be seated. If you want, you can find your sermon notes. You can follow along as we go. I'd love for you to talk about uh, the message later this week. Certainly answer the questions either on your own or with your family. Well, to begin, uh, I took a trip this week down to St. Louis, and there a friend of mine, uh, one of the members of our call committee and the Board of Governance and I, we, we interviewed some potential pastor candidates. As you can imagine, I'm a little excited about that, so we can get a little help around here. Uh, really good candidates, they were great, but it's a long drive. I mean, it's almost five hours to St. Louis, another almost five hours back. So as you can imagine, when you're driving that long, there, there's always some distractions. And it, you know, it came to mind that uh, there are some statistics. Uh, I, I went and looked it up. 4,000 deaths every year caused by distracted drivers. 4,000, that's a lot. 400,000 injuries caused by accidents from distracted drivers. Now, what can distract you on a long journey? Well, you can get in a long conversation, and, you know, it's engaging, and if you're driving, pretty soon your focus is on your passenger rather than on the road. And, of course, you have to stop every now and then, take some breaks, get some food, and so as you're looking around and trying to find the French fries and and the Coke there from McDonald's, you know, and kind of, where did I put that? But what do you suppose is the biggest distraction for drivers? Come on, what is it? Cell phones, right? The cell phone, texting and and trying to to talk to someone uh, with your fingers and then looking down back at the message, or even, and this happens sometimes, when you, when you lose the cell phone altogether and you get distracted from what you should focus on, which is the road. So you'll see what I'm talking about. On your phone, I'm alerting you your bracket's busted and I'm playing a little hide-and-seek. Cold? Down or not. Warmer? Down or not. Down or not. Warmer? Up. Boiling. Jackpot. And if you've got cut rate car insurance, you could be picking up these charges yourself. So get Allstate, where agents help keep you protected from mayhem. Like me. March's mayhem. Are you in good hands? Uh, you may not know that I have a side job these days. I'm selling a little car insurance. So. No, we're not, we're, not, we're not here to talk about car insurance at all. We're here to talk about a different kind of mayhem that you saw than you saw there in that commercial, and that is spiritual mayhem, spiritual destruction that can lead to a whole lot more casualties than those who are injured physically and even those that die. Because if we are distracted, if we lose our focus on the cross and the one who died there, we can end up in a far worse place the place of eternal destruction. So we need to talk about this whole idea of temptation. So I want you to say this with me. Turn to your neighbor and say, temptation is real. Can you do that? Temptation is real. So now we're going to be honest here. We've we've done our confession in church already. So you get to raise your hand now. How many of you have been tempted by anything that you knew was wrong this week? Anybody been tempted by anything? We all are, right? It is real. It's something that that we are all aware of. Temptation is real. Sometimes it's from our own sinful flesh. Or it might be the allure of the world. 
but it can also be from the devil himself. You see, Satan has already been defeated by Jesus. Jesus won the victory on the cross when he said, it is finished. He wasn't saying, I give up, but what he was saying was, I have defeated sin, death, and the devil. The victory is won. And the devil knows this. He cannot harm Jesus anymore, but he can harm you. And the way that he does that is to tempt you, to lead you away from the will of God. So this is the other thing that we need to acknowledge today, that temptation is persistent because the tempter is persistent, which means he's real. He's not just some cartoon character with uh, you know, the horns and the pointy tail and the pitchfork. The devil and his minions just like God's angels, are real. And so temptation is is constantly around us. Temptation constantly seeks to distract us from God, to take our focus off of Him. Let me tell you a little bit about what that looks like. Uh, Did anybody notice last night that there was a wind storm? Anybody notice that? Wow. I had trouble sleeping because every time I would fall, and I sleep, I sleep well every night because of my clear conscience. So, anyways, I couldn't sleep last night. It had nothing to do with my conscience. The wind is constantly blowing and blowing, and I'd fall asleep, and then I'd wake up. In fact, our, our table and our deck blew over last night and had a big clunk. That's never a good thing in the middle of the night. I even heard our neighbor's basketball goal when it fell down on their cement driveway. Big clunk there, right? We have this persistence of temptation. It's always there. Like that wind or the the drip, drip, drip of a leaky faucet. It's always there. And it's meant by the devil to distract us from what is truly important And that is God. And so Paul writes this. Therefore, let anyone, and that means you, anyone who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. We always need to be on guard. We always need to focus. Because Satan does not stop with one temptation. It's on and on and on and on. In our gospel for today, how many temptations did Jesus have? Shout it out. How many? Three, right? First one, <clears throat> Jesus is hungry. Have you ever gone 40 days without eating? Anybody? 40 days? 40 minutes? Right? That's about it, right? Can you imagine? You know, sometimes we forget that Jesus is 100% human. Yeah, he's God. We know he's God. But he's human just like you and me. He is famished. He is so hungry he could probably eat the stones. And the devil said, you could turn that into bread, you know, and eat that. What would you do if you were hungry? If it were a cheeseburger, I would do almost anything. I'd sell my firstborn. Now my number two and three are back there. They're safe. <laughs> Deny Jesus? Maybe. (laughs) 
if I was that hungry. You know, Satan, he usually begins with our vulnerability or our weakness. In Jesus' case, he's hungry. It's been 40 days. But then he goes from that and he progresses to our strengths. And sometimes our strengths become our weakness. Now, Jesus, he's not going to succumb to the temptation of a cheeseburger. But if that doesn't work, then what about fame? What about power? The devil says, I'll take you up to, up to this high mountain and you can see all the kingdoms of the world and I will give that to you because Jesus, I know that you aren't corruptible. I know that you're not selfish. You could solve world poverty. You could solve hunger and disease. You could do all these wonderful things for all the people of the world. But of course, Jesus' kingdom is not about this world. We too, so often, in the church, our strengths become our area of vulnerability. You know what Satan's number one strategy is in the church? The number one way that, that he tempts the people of God? Any guesses? Division. How many denominations are there in the world today? Christian denominations. Any guesses? Hundreds, thousands. And we say, yeah, well, 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 we're right. And you're wrong. Even within our own church from time to time. Our righteousness becomes our vulnerability. Let me just ask you, has there been division? Now, I'm not talking about our church because there's never division here, but in the greater, greater Christian world, has there been any division over COVID? Of course. Satan's strategy is to constantly come after us one way or another until we fall. Now, I've got an example here, or several, temptations of the flesh. Uh, don't raise your hand this time because I really don't want to know. Anybody been tempted in the flesh this week? Probably. It's all around us. Social media, internet, Temptation to escape. <laughs> if I could, I would just fly to Hawaii and stay there forever, right? Alcohol. Drugs. Temptations from the world. The allure, the shininess. Money, power, success. It's like the woman, she was, in a, she was in a clothing store and there was this dress, a killer dress. She just had to have this dress. But she looked at the price tag and, well, she was in a store anyways where she had no business being. She could not afford anything in the store. But she wants it. She's got to have it. But she's a good Christian woman, so what does she do? She does what we do, either out loud or in her mind. We say, Satan, get behind me. Have you ever done that, right? Get rid of the temptation. Well, then she hears this devilish voice that says the dress looks just as good from behind. 
He's persistent. Over and over and over. Until we fall. Now the other thing that we need to recognize is that temptation is not only persistent, it is also progressive. It starts small, it grows, and then it becomes deadly. It's innocuous in the beginning. No big deal. Let's take a look here at at adultery. Attraction. We're wired by God to be attracted to the opposite sex. Guys in particular. You know the old adage, you know, you can look but don't touch if it's not your spouse. No harm, no foul. Then it progresses to something greater, not just an attraction but a thought, an imagination. I wonder what it would be like. And then it becomes lust. And you think, well, still, I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't acted on my impulse. But then you have this business trip, this, this thing, which becomes a one-night fling. And you think, well, my spouse will never know. But then you find yourself entangled. And it becomes a full-blown affair. What started maybe as something emotional now is physical and sexual. And finally then, your marriage is, ru- is ruined. It's like you, you have a shovel and, you, and you're digging a hole and you take that dirt and you pile it over here and the, the hole gets deeper and it gets deeper and it, it, it gets deeper and pretty soon you, you find yourself looking up to the top and you wonder and you think there is absolutely no way out of this. That's how temptation works. Begins with the thought. And that is so, and then it grows and it matures and becomes an action. And then that action is sown and it grows and it matures. And it becomes a habit. And the habit then leads to a change in our character. And finally that character leads to a destiny that we had never intended. Temptation is indeed persistent, but it's also progressive, and we need to keep our eyes open to where it may lead. So, anybody feeling uh, warm and fuzzy about now? Feeling really good? Uh, No. Because temptation is real, the devil is real, and we are sinners, and every day, We need to take heed lest we fall. Now the good news, the good news, really the great news, is that victory over temptation is not only possible, but it is already done. It's already done. You see, the victory doesn't come from us. It comes from the cross. It comes from Christ. It comes from God. Paul again writes, God is faithful. We're not always faithful. We fall, we fail, but God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You see, Jesus has already conquered temptation. In the wilderness, he 
each of the three times turn the stones into bread. No. It is written, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. All right, if that doesn't work, take you up there to the temple, do a nice swan dive. Wouldn't it be a great miracle to see the angels catch you before you splattered all over the pavement? You would have so many followers, Jesus, that you couldn't fill a stadium with all the believers. Nope, that's not what I'm here for. All right, then look at all the kingdoms of the world. It could all be yours. Do you notice the one thing that Satan does not offer to Jesus? Do you know what it is? He does not offer him eternal life. Because he can't. Only God can do that. And because Jesus did not submit to temptation, not only here in the wilderness, but also in the garden, when his father could have taken the cup of suffering from him, Or again in front of Pilate. When Pilate too wanted to point out that he could have any kingdom in the world and Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. And certainly at Golgotha when the nails are pounded into his flesh. He continued on to death so that you and I could live. And not just in heaven, but right here on earth with the victory that Christ has won over temptation. There are two ways that Christ has won this victory for us and and so often we miss at least one of them. What did we do early in the service? What do we do every service? You confess. that you're a sinner, that you have failed, that you've given in to temptation, does that sound like victory? (laughs) No, because that would rely on us. The victory is Christ given to us. Imagine your bank account, if if it's anything like mine, it doesn't have a whole lot in it. Now imagine someone putting in all the gold and the silver and the cash and the crypto for whatever it's worth in your account. And you didn't earn it, but it's there. That's Christ's righteousness. An eternal righteousness that he has put into your account before the eyes of God. We count that as forgiveness and new life and salvation. So in Christ, we do have victory because we have forgiveness. We are not condemned as we ought to be. Christ has gone to the cross and paid the penalty for our sin. But it gets even better than that. (laughs) It goes on to say that he will provide the way of escape that you not only will be able to, but you can endure temptation. Raise your hand if you would like to endure and overcome temptation. Anybody? Yeah, me. And we recognize that we won't in every single circumstance overcome it. And the reason is because we rely on our own power. But God says rely on His power. 
to run away from the thing or the situation or the circumstance that is tempting us in the first place. What great news for us that when we do stumble, Christ lifts us up. When we do fail, we rely on the success of Christ. That we are forgiven. And we also have the ability to endure any temptation that could ever come to us. And so we need not be distracted. We can focus our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, so that on this journey of life, we can be on the right road, the road to the cross in the empty tomb, the road that always leads to God. And if you notice, it's a rather beautiful road if we only look. May God grant it to you for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's all rise then and profess our faith today. This morning through the words of the apostles,